Jesus will talk about a wide way that leads to destruction today. And he will talk about a narrow way that leads to life. What's your way like? What road are you traveling right now? Maybe whatever ways make sense to you, maybe I can ask it this way. Are you on a wide way or a narrow way? Are you on a way to life and health and wholeness and peace? Or a way to destruction and isolation? about that, think about the second metaphor, and it's of the sheep and the wolf, and the voices that we listen to. So who are the voices that are in your life and in your head right now? Who is speaking into your life? Who is challenging you as you walk along that way? Just take a second, just think about it, reflect. Who are the voices that you're listening to? And then as you walk on your way and as you listen to those voices, the third metaphor will be about how we build our house and the ground that's underneath us. So I just want to ask you as you reflect with your time with God, is the ground beneath you solid? Are you building on something solid that can stand? Or does it feel like the ground is shifting underneath you always? And just let those questions hang. Let's just reflect. Let's be with God for a second. Is the ground solid underneath you? Where do you stand? Is it shifting? Feel like you're stuck in quicksand? Father, as we listen to your son Jesus and this cascade of images, and metaphors that will break upon us here in just a moment. I want to pray for my friends and for myself that we would really do some soul searching as we engage with your word. That we would consider for a moment what kind of path we're on. Is it a wide way leading to destruction of any kind? Is it a narrow way leading to more life, more love, more mercy, more wholeness, more peace? Father, as we go on our way, what are the voices that we're listening to, that we're hearing, that we're taking to heart? How can we hear your voice through all the noise? And lastly, Father, as we build our lives and build our relationships and our careers and our studies, our friendships, our mission, God, would you reveal to us what exactly it is that we're building on? whether that might be shifting sand that's going to collapse when the storms hit, or whether it's a solid rock, the only rock, the only place to stand. The love and the grace that we found in you through your son, Jesus. So Father, we pray that you would open our hearts, encourage us, convict us, move in us today. It's in Jesus' name once again we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. We've only got about a dozen verses or so, maybe a couple more than that today. But we're going to finish up the Sermon on the Mount with this cascade of images. So if you can picture yourself on a hillside listening to Jesus, 
and his message. And he's wrapping up. And he's been going for a little while. And this is how he's going to end. This is how he's going to end his message, his epic sermon. He says this in verse 13 in Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many are entering through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. There are many gates. There are many ways. There are many roads. There are many methods. And Jesus tells us that wide and broad, a wide lane highway, there are so many outcomes that can lead to your suffering and destruction, that can lead to more isolation, that can lead to more pain. Some of us are a little obsessed with the movie recently. And um, I, I think of Dr. Strange looking at, I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone if you haven't seen it, but I might spoil something. If you haven't seen Infinity War, it's on, your, it's on you. So um, <laughs> Dr. Strange is sitting and he ponders all the possible outcomes, right? This is an Infinity War, not this movie. Of all the possible outcomes, he looks into the future at all the possible ways that this could go. And he comes back and he says, there's one way. There's only one way this can go right. It's kind of like Jesus in a way. He says, wide and broad, there are many outcomes, there are many people you can listen to. There are many messages that you could be hearing. There are many ways that you can craft your life. But there is a narrow way that leads you to more life and more wholeness and more peace and more mercy. Are you on that way? Jesus would ask us. The way through pain and illusion and desire. The, it's not easy to find life and health and wholeness. Jesus is pitting the big and the flashy, which is interesting given the, the illustration I just used. The, the big and the flashy against the small and the unspectacular and the good work of following Jesus. Remember, Jesus in this message, he hasn't said that you're going to do like these amazing flashy firework explosion things. He said, blessed are the poor and blessed are the merciful. And blessed are those who work for peace. And blessed are those who are hungry for the way things should be, looking at the way things are. Remember that Jesus did not talk about the big and the spectacular. And if you think that's Jesus, you don't remember his plodding and constant and consistent love for people. And how it got him in trouble with those that wanted the great and the big. Jesus and John will call himself the gate. Notice that the way isn't narrow in that who it is offered to. Do you hear me? A lot of times you can hear this passage and be like, narrow is a gate. Okay, so you're saying it's a very exclusive club. You have to to be this high to enter the ride. You have to be this good to get in. You have to be this religious to make it through the gate. It's this special elite status. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. It's open to everyone. It's open to everyone. The gate is open. It is not shut. But he is saying that few are going to walk through it. That it, few are walking. And actually in the, in, the, in the original language, it's in the present tense. He says few are walking through this. And the gate leads to a road, to a way. It doesn't stop inside the gate. We continue on the way of life. Be careful if you're using this text to figure, it, figure out who is in and who is out. Because Jesus is using it to invite everyone onto the road of health and wholeness. Jesus will illustrate the point now with an external example and with an internal example. Let's look at what he has to say about the external. He says in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
Jesus, in his upside-down way, warns us that the guides to the wide and to the destructive path will look like sheep. He's not talking about people who are on the outside. He's talking about people who are on the inside, who appear to be on the path. People who talk really, really well. People who look really, really good. People who seem to have everything together yet inwardly are just ravenous and destructive, just wanting more and more and more. You know, Jesus over and over again through his life and his ministry shows us that those who may appear to be a mess on the outside maybe are on the right track because that's who he hangs out with and that's who he invites on the road and that's who he invites on the path. The way of Jesus is not to say, hey, look really good. Look like you have it all together. You know, in some ways, with this wolf metaphor, in some ways, Jesus is saying, you need to be honest about the thing inside and not try to appear like a sheep when you're really struggling. That's a thing that he wants us to look out for. Those who might seem like they have it together, but who really, really don't. Those who are recovering wolves are honest about it. They might actually serve as guides to the gate. Do you know that the one, one of the most pivotal people in getting the message of Jesus to the world will be Paul? And Paul got a new name. And before his new name and his new identity, he was a wolf. A ravenous, clutching, clawing wolf. If you're a wolf out there, the message is not, you're, you just pack it up because you're on the outside. The message is get to the gate because the gate is open and Jesus is the gate and he's here and he's here with a way to health and to wholeness. Look at Jesus' friends. Look at who would turn into his followers. And as you think about the disciples and their mistakes, as you think about Paul, read this text. He says in verse 16, by, your, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, this is tricky for us. It's tricky for us to have grown up in the West. Or in modern culture. Because when you hear good fruit, a lot of us think of like material and money and success. Like good fruit is like looking good on the outside, right? Like it looks like you got a lot of people and you got a lot of stuff and you got a lot of money and you got everything is together. But that that misunderstands the fruit of Jesus' life. He says, we're not powerless before wolves. You all are not helpless. You have a shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. And you'll know wolves by their fruit. Are they following the path? Are they becoming more like Jesus? Are they pointing others to the gate, to Jesus or to themselves? Are they just trying to get more? Good fruit means more of the kinds of things that Jesus is about. It means more mercy. It means more love. It means more faithfulness and more wholeness. Over the course of their lives and their teaching, you will see if they are growing closer or if they are growing further away. But I do want to say this, because we just talked about the crucifixion and the resurrection. At the crucifixion, what does Jesus have? Nothing. 
nothing and no one. And the fruit of his life will take time to grow and to be revealed, right? And the things that look good on the outside are not the things that Jesus does. Jesus just walks away from acclaim and he walks towards shame. He walks towards more for less. He said, I don't have any place to lay my head. At the end of his life, he doesn't have any friends but the women that are watching him being crucified. That's, that's it. But Jesus says, by their fruit, they will be becoming more and more just and more kind and more merciful. But be careful for their wolves. Look at verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's like a scary text to end on, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Not, not everyone who says to me, Lord... I mean, frankly, it, it, it doesn't take a lot of effort to hear people throwing around the name of Jesus. It doesn't take much effort at all. But Jesus is saying the people who claim me might not be on track. And he doesn't say that to scare you. And he doesn't say that to say, you know, like, you're never going to be able to tell who's on the right track. What does he say to us? He says, you're going to know. Listen. Like, look at their lives. Look at their heart. Look at how they're... Their, their life is progressing. You will know. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Some people, yeah. Not everyone. Many will say to me on that day, which day? The day. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is intense. What does this mean? This means that People who are actually doing, seem to be doing incredible things, actual incredible things, might inside just be completely hollow, completely hollow, empty, with no connection. You know, what does Jesus say? He says, I never knew you. You know, you might have claimed me. You might have appealed to me. You might have appealed to my message, to my kingdom. You might have thought that you were doing these incredible things for me, but you never let me in the door. Like you never, the coin never dropped. You put the coin in the vending machine and it just got stuck at the top. It didn't sink all the way down and do stuff. Make you more loving, make you more forgiving, make you more just, make you more kind, make you less dependent. He says, I'll tell you to get away from me. You evildoers. In the original language, you, literally you're doers of the anti-kingdom. You op, you're doing the opposite of the thing that I have for you to do. It's very possible to find yourself on the wrong track. If you've taken the wrong road, you, you know, thinking your religious effort and your practice were the right way, you might find that even miracles were not done for a life-giving reason but ended up being nothing. Notice their problem was their proof that they were doing great things for Jesus. This may seem subtle, but it's incredibly important. Any and every time we think we are doing great things in the name of Jesus, we'll have to question our motives. Are we doing these things to convince someone that we made? Are we here to convince someone that we made it, that we're good, that we're amazing, that we're super religious, super successful people? 
Jesus says there are apparently some super successful religious people who are working for the dark side. Do you hear me? That's what he, I mean, that's what he says. Jesus tells us that our life is in him. That when we do incredible things, we won't be to impress anyone. But that the incredible things will be out of a connection of him knowing us. And being allowed on the inside. Jesus himself will be sorting all this out in the final analysis. Jesus will say to a lot of folks who think that they know him, I never knew you. Not let inside the room of their heart to renovate, to work, to build. So it's fitting now that at the end, at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, at the end of this, this amazing teaching on the kingdom of God, that Jesus will talk about how we build our lives. Remember where we started? And remember that as we enter into this passage together. Look at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I really admire builders because I'm not one, you know? And I've just done enough to know that I know nothing, you know? Like, I've, it's not that I just tinkered in a way like, like I've tinkered enough and ruined enough things that like I know that to build something really great is an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. Jesus says a wise man, a wise person will build their house, will build their life, their relationships, their words, their careers, their everything on a solid place because there's only one place to go. Jesus has encouraged us to separate from what is false in the wide way. He has urged us to separate from false teaching and false teachers. Now he speaks to the false in us, inviting us to stand and to build our lives in the only place that doesn't move, that doesn't shift, that doesn't give way. In the words of Jesus and in the teaching of Jesus, there is a steady place do you feel this? Like, do you feel that when you put your life and your words on something else, it's just, it, just, it just flows out from under you? It just shifts. You fall. It goes away. You can't count on these places that are not permanent. This is the steady place. This is the, the only place that we can go to build a life. That's going to last. Look at verse 25. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that the wise man built his house away from the storm. That the wise man found a place where there was no weather and built his house there. Jesus knows that the weather is coming. That the rain is coming. The floods are coming. The wind is coming. You will not be able to avoid it. Our lives and our relationships are all built on something. They're built on beliefs, our thoughts, our hopes, our trust. And Jesus offers us a way of building our lives. We can build on his words, build on his example, build on his life. Like the security of building in a safe place. Because the rain is coming, and the floods are coming, and the hurricane winds will blow. The house will be beaten and battered. Do you hear me? Your house will be beaten and battered. Your relationships, 
will face storms. Your career will. Your, relation, your friendships will. Hurricane force winds are coming. But Jesus offers us a place that doesn't move, that doesn't shift, that doesn't crumble. I want you to think about, remember we just talked about the crucifixion? And Jesus is on the cross and he's praying to a God who isn't listening. He's praying to a God who's forsaken him. Like if we believe the Bible's true, we believe it's all true, right? We believe that when he's on the cross, Jesus is abandoned completely. That the storm of sin and the storm of brokenness and the storm of suffering is all falling on his head. All of it. And what does he do? He stands. He stays in that place. His house does not fall. It does not crumble. It's not brought to nothing. This is the way of Jesus. He says, but everyone in verse 26 who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice... Notice that hearing is not enough. It is your practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Jesus warns us that our lives are eroding underneath us and will collapse when they're built on shifting sand that our relationships, that our families, that our careers, and everything else, if it's built on something that's shifting, if it's built on something that's impermanent, it will crash. It's pretty amazing that in a time when the religious establishment was obsessed with being great in God's eyes, that greatness, that Jesus' only mention of greatness in this epic sermon comes at the end And the only reference to greatness that Jesus has in his sermon is a reference to a great what? A great crash. That he begins by saying, blessed are the poor, blessed are the humble, blessed are the broken, blessed are the ones who are making peace, doing the everyday things of love and grace. And he ends with saying, the great crash is on a life that's built on sand. Greatness will only be through a great crash in this sermon. How do people respond to Jesus' teaching? Especially with this at the end. This is not a high note to end a message on, right? Which gives me hope that you don't have to end a message on high note all the time, right? This doesn't end, the last words are great crash. (laughs) Have a nice night, everyone. Like, you know the person who builds their life on shifting sand, their life is going to fall apart. Be kind to each other as you walk out. Like, that's kind of how this ends. Jesus ends with a flag waving to try to get our attention, to try to invite us into the gate, to try to invite us into the way that leads to actual life and health and to peace. But, but look, at, look at what happens after his teaching. Look at verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. They are amazed because this is the greatest sermon or group of teachings in human history. But Jesus spoke as someone who knew, not as someone who was guessing. 
as someone who is trying to convince someone or someone who had something to prove. When Jesus sets himself up as the judge at the end, it gets people's attention that there is something different about Jesus. That there is something about his teaching, there is something about his way and his words that is solid, that is worth building a life on, that is worth following. So as we end our time in God's word, I just want to ask you, I want, to, I want you to think about the way that you're on, the teachers that you're listening to, and where you're building your house. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. Let's reflect together. Is there anywhere where you've lost your way? Where you're on a wide way that's not leading anywhere good? You need some help today. Are there any voices, any false teachers that have distracted you? from walking that path, that narrow way to life, to more love and more grace and more peace. Let's just think about that metaphor at the end. You know, if you think of your life and what you're building on, what you're, what you're grasping, is it sand? you feel like it's eroding out from underneath you? Does it feel like there's nothing that's solid? Jesus offers a solid place. Maybe you might picture yourself on that solid place. On the rock. Father, we're amazed at this teaching. We hear from your son Jesus as one who has authority, who says how it actually is, who offers us a solid place, not a shifting sand, not the clutching and clawing of a wolf, not a wide path that leads to destruction. Father, I want to pray for my friends today because we have to go and we have to love people now. We have to serve the people around us that you've sent us to. 
friends and neighbors, family. And a lot of us have built relationships and built a life on how much we could get or how we could convince someone of something or how we could appear on the outside to others. And we see from your teaching that that's just shifting sand. And maybe some of us are feeling that crash right now. The crash of relationships, the crash of reality, the crash of the storms beating upon a house that's not built on something solid. And so, Father, I pray for us that we would build on the only place where we can stand. That the life and the death and the resurrection of your son Jesus would communicate love and grace to us. And that we'd be healthy and whole. Father, we thank you for this time and for this message and for this teaching. Send us out to be your disciples. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you all have a great week, and we'll see you next time for some more. Matthew, there is an offering box in the back. We love you. Have a good week.